guys, this is Nikan Rest and this is She Wolf Alchemy. Today we are going to be talking about why we choose unavailable partners. Yeah, so like Nick said, we're talking about being attracted to emotionally unavailable partners. So first, let's break down what we mean when we say emotionally unavailable. So a lot of the times when we're talking about emotionally unavailable people, we're talking about individuals who have a discomfort with vulnerability. And you can kind of tell this by the way they engage with you. It's like something is always holding them back from fully being in love. It can sometimes feel like these people have their foot one foot in, one foot out. And a lot of people describe dating people who are emotionally unavailable as dating someone who feels like love is not safe. It's like they let them near you physically, but they will not let you near them emotionally. They will not break down their walls. They won't really get vulnerable on a deep level. Everything is kind of superficial. And the moment things get a little too deep, eh, that's when you're going to start feeling them pull away. You're going to start feeling some like awkwardness or, you know, it, it, you can feel their, um, their discomfort with it. And sometimes you can feel it because they straight up just stop. And other times they'll just flip the switch. Sometimes it was like really hot and heavy. And all of a sudden they get really cold and like distant. So when it comes to people who are emotionally unavailable, a lot of times these people, they minimize their emotional needs or what happens is they might minimize your emotional needs they also seem to exhibit signs that show that they have low empathy now as i go through this list this is not going to be the same with every person this is just general aspects some might fit some may not fit some people you might hear this whole list and go yes that's them to a t every single thing you said and for some people it might just be two or three things but the two or three things are so big and heavy in the presence of your relationship that it's enough to make a difference. Another thing is people who are emotionally unavailable. These are people who don't really explore their own feelings. It's not just a matter of not wanting to explore feelings with you. A lot of times they don't explore their feelings with themselves. They don't know what they're really feeling. They live on autopilot. And these people tend to have difficulties handling their emotions. These are the people that go to emotionally shutting down and detaching. They don't really like feeling hurt. They don't really like feeling pain, really don't like feeling a lot of things in general. And so emotional detachment is their go-to. They just emotionally shut down in the quickness when it comes to highly emotional situations, whether it's good, highly emotional situations like love and happiness, but also in bad emotional situations when it's like sadness, grief, talking about difficult things. These people may also have troubles with committing. And sometimes it can be committing to you as a partner, and other times they can commit to you as a partner, but they seem to have issues committing to future plans. These are people who, you know, you bring up things like, you know, you know, where are we going? What is this going to be? And they're like, you know, let's just see how these are going. Let's take it one day at a time. I don't want to pressure us or the good old standby. You know, I just really like to be friends first. You know, friendship is real important and let's see how it goes. <laughs> Ladies, if we over the age of 30, stop falling for that one. <laughs> 
stop falling for that one. It's it's game. We have, we're too old to not know that this is game. Um, one of the other things you might find with a person that's emotionally unavailable is that they send a lot of mixed messages. You kind of always feel like you don't know where you stand with this person because sometimes it can be so hot and heavy and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm meeting their family. I'm meeting their friends. This is going great. And then other times it's like, you know, oh yeah, I really want to go on this trip this summer, babe. Let's do this. And they're like, this summer, why are we making plans? You know, let's, let's see where we are in the summer. You know, they kind of always have you feeling like, I, I don't know what's going on in this relationship because you never really know how their feelings are going to be from day to day or week to week. Another thing you might feel is that when emotions get deep or things get deep, things are going good, hot and heavy, because it might be a period where, especially if you're casually dating, things are like going really, really good. And then it's like, okay, now we need to make this deeper. We need to make this into something more. And that's when they'll start to pull away. Um, another thing you'll find with these type of people is that they're not really ever that direct about their feelings or very minimally. You know, you might have a moment or two here or there where they express their feelings and then they kind of do that back away thing. But then, you know, it might be a long time again before they are ever direct and they might say little things like, I mean, you know how I feel. And it's like, no, I don't because you never told me or you haven't told me or, you know, it's been a while since I heard what it is you feel. You keep saying very general things like that. Like, you know, no, sir, you yell words. So with all of that said, Nika, have you ever dated someone who was emotionally unavailable? Yes. I have. I, I definitely have. Um, <laughs> I believe it was like one of my one of my heartbreaks because it was just like, yeah, I know this person cares for me, but why can't we like talk about it? <laughs> why can't we figure out what's the next step. Um, it was one of the most challenging things. I don't ever think I dated any other person as emotionally unavailable. I probably was emotionally unavailable sometimes um in my dating career but <laughs> dating career because <laughs> <laughs> once upon a time y'all it was a sport <laughs> that championship rings we went to the super bowl <laughs> it was the all-star team <laughs> but after dating someone that way i i promised myself to never do that again yeah but how about you <laughs> Um, yeah, almost exclusively, <laughs> like, half I date emotionally unavailable people. That is my type. I'm literally in therapy working through that now. Um, <laughs> yeah, mostly, mostly, most of the people I've dated are emotionally unavailable people. Yeah, any person that's the, any person whose name you heard more than three months, yeah, yeah, that is emotionally unavailable. Like, that's how that works. <laughs> like, that's how that works. <laughs> That's how that works. It's okay. It's okay. Me, 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 me and the therapist, man, we work it through that. We work it through that. We. <laughs> so the big question is, have you ever sat and wondered why are you choosing emotionally unavailable people? 
especially if it's a pattern cough cough <laughs> wink wink um yes so I have I actually have sat and thought about this I actually have sat and thought about this and I you know had to take some time to myself and not date and look at my dating history look at my dating pattern to really figure out a lot of things with my love life and this is one of the things I did have to sit and think about and I had to admit the reason why I was attracted to emotionally unavailable people was because I was an emotionally unavailable person um you know if for me it was a very water seeks its own level type of thing for me I was attracted to emotionally unavailable people because I love myself. I think I'm great. So I kept attracting myself, but I was attracting, like I was attracted to some of like my worst traits. A lot of times when I really sit and look back at my dating history, I really was attracted to a lot of my worst things. So I think I definitely was in this cycle of dating emotionally unavailable people because it felt safe, one, because I understood that. So it felt safe to me. And in fact, vulnerability felt dangerous. So I did not do well with people who like push for vulnerability. I did really well with people who was like, I ain't gonna be vulnerable. And I was like, bet, I ain't gonna be vulnerable. Let's see who could be the least vulnerable in this situation. Let's do this until one of us wants to be vulnerable and then we will both back away and let's see how that works. Uh, and that was my dating history through my 20s. So yeah, I definitely did. And I feel like it was because it felt safe to me. Dating someone who was emotionally unavailable felt really safe because it allowed me to stay emotionally unavailable. It allowed me to not have to get out of my comfort zone. And then also it felt familiar. Like that's what I was used to. I was used to not having to get in touch with my feelings, my emotions. I was used to not really having to do that like vulnerable thing and so forth. And so like, I, it felt comfortable. Like it was what I was familiar with. It was what I was comfortable with. I felt really comfortable with this, these type of people, my people. <laughs> I keep saying this distant myself. Like that ain't my tribe. Hey y'all, but I gotta dating or I'm not anymore. I am healing. I gotta remember to practice my present tense. I am healing. I am doing better. Me and me and Mr. Therapist man gonna have such a great session this week. <laughs> Every time I talk to him and I'm like, I talked about you in the episode. He's like, mm hmm mm-hmm. Like, did you talk about like now? Now let's not answer that. Now I didn't tell him about that. Um, but yeah. Wait, wait, I was like, sorry, no, no. They don't need to know that's still a work in progress. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I definitely did because I was attracting myself. I was attracting the worst parts of myself and I was attracting people who did not push me to grow in that area, at least. Another reason why like it also felt familiar to me was I grew up around a lot of emotionally unavailable men. I grew up in a family of boys. Like I grew up in a house with like seven boys for half of my childhood because everybody was older than me. So by the time I was like eh, 14, 15, everybody was out the house but me. But a lot of, I grew up around a lot of emotionally unavailable men. And so that was the type of men I think I was just familiar with. My brothers, um, and it's crazy, me and my brother actually just had a phone call uh, this weekend where me and him, like, really talking a deep emotional level. And it was probably the first time me and him had a conversation like that. And, you know, me and him both talked, we were talking about our childhood and, like, both of us was just kind of like, yeah, like, admitting our own faults. Like, yo, I'm 
a grown adult past the age of 25, at this point, this is an issue because I'm not doing something about it. I can no longer say, well, in childhood and blah, blah, blah. Like both of us was just like, yeah, man, you notice that about yourself? Because I've been noticing that since I was six and I was wondering when you was going to change. And him too, like he actually, there was something, um, matter of fact, me and him were talking about, there was a moment in time I had in my doll hub moved to Oklahoma and he was out there as well. And me and him had never lived in the same city as adults. And it was like a brief period in time. We both lived in the same city. And he had mentioned it to me, like, during that time, he was like, yo, it's so odd to me that you end up going into, like, psychology and all this stuff. He was like, because, you know, when you were, me, you were living in the same city, he was like, you know, he was like, there was times you would just emotionally shut down. And those are exact words he used. And I thought it was, like, odd because I think we've talked about this sometimes where there's certain things like we have felt, but we, especially like family members, you don't really think they pick up on. And so you have to like discuss it yourself and like, Hey, y'all, this is how I feel about this. Please stop making this a thing. So it was odd because he did, like he brought it up and he was like, yo, I used to notice that he was like, there'd be times he was just like, you just was like there physically and you seem to be on autopilot. And I used to be like, Hmm, I think, was, I think you need to be worried about rest. And he was like, and I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And I was just like, you know, it's, she seemed to be doing okay. If anything happens, you know, I'll bring it back up. But it kind of like amazed me because we've talked about this in episodes. There's a lot of stuff that we think we're hiding better from other people. And we're not. A lot of times, which is like when we talk about healing and stuff, we're like, yo, you think you're hiding your pain really well, but a lot of times we're not. Other people are picking up on the way and manifest in other ways. While we're like, yeah, you know, nobody knows this. Like, no, no, we know, sir. You know, Nick Cannon running around with like 2011 children right now. There's some unprocessed trauma there. Like, we're aware that there is some, you, you not out here raw dogging everybody just for the hell of it. When you are a multi-millionaire, funds to lose, diseases to catch, stuff, all of that. Like, no. Everybody's seeing that and we're all pretty much on the same page of like, I hope he eventually got into therapy because there are some things he needs to sit and talk about. Um, And just using that as an example, but like that's happening to us every day in our real lives. There's certain things that we are doing that is really just us reacting out of pure trauma, out of pure unprocessed pain, no growth type of situation that we think nobody else is noticing. So we keep doing our bullshit because we think we're hiding it well. And it's not. Our friends are looking at us like Nick Cannon and just being like, I mean... I'm going to pray for her. You know, I'm going to just, you know, whatever your friends do, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to put her name in a honey jar, whatever your friends are into. <laughs> There's, the, you know, people are seeing that. And so I just thought it was interesting that my brother like brought it up and he like had solid examples. Like he had solid examples that he remembered. And he was like, yeah, no, there was this one time that this happened. You did this. And I was just like, huh. I need to check on her. I need to make sure she could. And he was like, you know, and I just got caught up in my own stuff and I didn't. So anyways, to say it all that, to say, yes, I also grew up around a lot of emotionally unavailable men. So for me, that felt comfortable. That felt familiar. That felt like, you know, I know how to handle these type of men. These are my people type of thing. What about you though? Why do you think you were attracted to that particular individual who was emotionally unavailable? I didn't, like you said, you sit and thought about it. I really didn't sit and 
think about why I know why I was emotionally unavailable myself at the time that I was. Okay. Um, it's because I was in a bad relationship. Unavailable, unavailable that one too. But <laughs> when it started off, it was because I just broke off with somebody I really loved, and then I got into a really bad relationship. And so after I got out of that bad relationship, it was just like a freeing feeling. And I'm like, I don't have time to be settled down with anybody. I'm about to just do, you know, what, what I want to do or get what I can get out of any situation I can get, out, get it out of. And it was That's, just like, let me just say, let me just point this out here. Y'all, this is when we had a dream team. Okay. It was, it was, it was me, Neek, Liz, like we, it, it was, it was Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, like we, we was getting, <laughs> we was, we, we was going to championships. We was having our names on flyers. Like shit was great. AC is coming through. Here they go. Literally. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. But it was when I, that's when I was like super, like I had guys like, wait, I thought you were one more. And I was like, wait, no. Like, <laughs> no. I was like what? But yeah, so it was just like at that point, that's, it's just, that's what it was. And I would think that I would want that, but I will pull back instantly when I be when I see that it's becoming to be coming becoming too much emotionally. And I'm like, I don't want to go down that road. That's that's too hard. That's too much to think about. But then when I finally, you know, got ready to feel that way, I think that the thing is you can't talk to these people that you talked to when you were emotionally ever unavailable. Right. That's the good thing about you. Like you don't recycle or you don't, don't go back. Mm-mm. So I'm going back and it's just You sure like, the hell do, Lord. Now it's like, <laughs> bruh, now, now I'm emotionally available because I don't know what you got. I don't I don't know if that's the reason. But the thing is, you had mentioned earlier, like when you settle down, like we talked to so many people, you settle down and talk to this person. You like, you didn't notice all those other things when you were talking to so many different people at one time. Mm-hmm. When I settled down to talk to that one person, I was like, wait, he probably was doing this before but it I didn't notice because mm-hmm. I was really there but when I settled settling down it's like wait you're really doing this and I think the only reason I stayed invested is looking for those moments that were there before or just it's familiar or you just really want to see what you can like you really want to see like is everything he's saying gonna come to a fruition or is he gonna mm-hmm. open his eyes but it's it's a waiting game but it's like um, you're on the edge trying to get there but you never get there yeah so yeah. I don't know if it's like the excitement of trying to get there or the excitement of trying to find something that I've seen in him before I don't really understand it but I'm getting to the end of the rope but it's like I think that's what it was it was just like I know what's in there and they give you a little piece little break from mm-hmm. break coming wanting for more and more and more and that is the challenge yeah I think what you brought up it was really good about the bread coming because that's a thing that I think a lot of people who are emotionally unavailable do really well which is bread come people because a lot of times people who are emotionally unavailable it's not that they don't want love it's that they're scared of it mm-hmm. and so it's like because I want it I'm going to give you these things to let you know I want it 
and but also because I'm scared of it I'm also going to do things to like just shut you down and that's kind of that breadcrumb feeling of like giving you bits and pieces like okay they want this this is good blah 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 but because they shut it down so quickly as well they never give you the whole pie you only get a crumb here you only get a little bit of the whipped cream here you only get a little bit of the filling here um, because they'll shut that thing down right away and I think a lot of times when people are emotionally unavailable it's not on purpose at least in my case a lot of times when I did it it was not on purpose it was not I was trying to hurt people I was not purposely going out here doing that it was me dealing with it 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 was me battling my own demons okay like it was literally me battling my own inner conflict and unfortunately other people got the back end of it and that's why it's so big to focus on healing yourself before you bring another person in not saying you need to be fully healed because I see people post those type of things on like Instagram all the time like before anyone else can love you you have to fully love yourself or you have to fully heal blah 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 all those things are great and they should be but (laughs) I mean it would be great but one you healing is a lifelong journey you're never there you're never just, oh, I'm all the way healed. It's just not how, there's always room for growth. And so I think that part is impossible there, but also, but there still needs to be like a concentrated effort on trying to heal yourself and love yourself because other people will get the back end of you being unhealed, of you being still caught up in your BS and they're trying to love you, but because you're battling your own stuff in your own head, you're now pushing away other people. And kind of like with you, what you said, like you were perfectly fine and you were like happy. And then you dated this one person who like, it was horrible and that's when you were like okay now I'm gonna be emotionally unavailable you it's like you it create you can create other unemotionally unavailable people from people who weren't like that before they met you you pass on your unhealedness and all of that to other people and then now you start dating other people and you require those people to also carry your baggage and so it's like now they walk away from you exhausted and defeated too And that's not fair. And it's why I am a huge advocate for like, if you feel like I have a lot of baggage, I have a lot of unprocessed trauma, whatever, whatever, you know, I think everybody should take some time to be alone and try to heal. Not saying stay alone, not say stay alone to your auto way heal. But I think having time alone is so important as an adult. I'm always surprised by how many adults I meet and I run into who have never been alone their adult life. Like they might not have been an official relationship, but there was always somebody lurking in the background. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like you get your best shadow work, inner dealing work done when you are alone because it's uninterrupted. It's it's not sidetracked. It's not, it's just you having to deal with yourself and dealing with yourself, especially if it's the first time you've ever had to really sit and deal with your messiness is dirty work. It's hard work and it's dirty work. Now, by all means, while you're doing that work, if you come across somebody that's great and they don't distract you from their work, definitely date them, love them, helpfully marry them. But start at least start that journey at least start
or it had that time alone at some point in your life. And don't like, yeah, put your mess on there. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's talk about why people on average tend to attract and date unemotionally unavailable partners. So one thing that you'll see people talking about when it comes to this is that for a lot of people that keep finding themselves in this cycle of being attracted to unemotionally available people, these relationships for them tend to mirror some type of relationship they saw in their childhood. Like a lot of things that happens, our childhood really does model so many things for us later in our adult lives, whether we want it to or not. Sometimes there's a relationship we see or we're in in our childhood, and we kind of just go and repeat that cycle out into the world. For some people, it can be because somewhere in your childhood, there was a caregiver who was either emotionally unavailable or someone who put you in a position to be a caretaker when you were supposed to be playing the role of child. That is also another thing for people who are natural caregivers. They tend to attract a lot of emotionally unavailable partners as well, because with that personality type, you like to give you like to care for folks you like to and a lot of times people who are kind of that caretaker mother hand type personality those people are have a hard time receiving love and so when you have a hard time receiving love it's very very easy to find yourself in those type of relationships because you already have a hard time receiving love so you don't really notice that this person is not putting in as much effort. It's not giving you the type of balance you should be getting in a relationship. For me, this is definitely a thing. I talked about it. Like I, a lot of the men in my family were, are, are you just emotionally unavailable men. Like it literally, you can throw a dart at my family reunion and it's going <laughs> to hit an emotionally unavailable man. So for me, I definitely understand this. And I feel like that was definitely a thing for me. I can understand it, but I don't know if that's my, is that my reason for myself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not for everybody. But I can understand it, though, but I don't think that's my reason. Yeah. And that one in particular goes back to attachment styles, which we talked about in season one. There's different attachment styles and people who have like disorganized or like an anxious attachment style or like an avoidant attachment style, even fearful. Um, when we talked about attachment styles and if you haven't go back to season one, we had to talk about it. It really, it goes back to your relationships early relationships model to you in that particular theory it really talks about the parent relationship but it talks about how when you're very young the relationship that you have with your parents really influences how you have relationships with others and how you bond with others later in life and so with this particular um bullet point it's really talking about that kind of thing right it was some type of relationship you saw early on that kind of affected how you bonded going forth and that is why you have that kind of attraction and it can also be said for first loves if you had your first actual romantic relationship and that's how they were and you thought that was normal you might then go on to repeat those type of relationships going forth after that as well yeah 
So another reason why you might be attracted to emotionally unavailable partners or some parts of you are unavailable. I think for me, that would be <laughs> like we were talking about before. At one point, I wasn't looking for anybody that was able to give me emotional stability because I wasn't really there. So that's what I was looking for, somebody that was on the same level of me so it wouldn't be that hard or I wouldn't have to give so much even sometimes now I still wonder if I'm available in that way like I I know what I want but sometimes it kind of scares me when somebody is trying to be serious or it's easier for me to be like but you didn't do this but you didn't do that but if somebody is actually doing the things that they say they are doing are emotionally there I always wonder, like, well, I would, would I really be ready when they're ready? And yeah. that kind of scared me. So I, I think I can agree with this. Like, I think I know what it is I want, but sometimes I can even be come off un, emotionally unavailable because those things still kind of scare me. Yeah, I was gonna. I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna put in like also with that one. Sometimes you're not aware of it. Sometimes it's unconscious thing that you're not aware that you're emotionally unavailable um I definitely feel like the last time I dated like on a more serious level I felt like I was emotionally available at that time and I definitely was more so than I had been in years um but there were still major parts of me that weren't that I just wasn't aware of that I it wasn't until I took that time alone and then I had to look back and think about my actions and think about how I reacted to certain things and why certain things triggered me so much and I had to recognize like oh yeah because yeah you still had a lot of parts of you that was not ready and that's why it triggered you that's why you were so quick to always be like yeah I'm done because there was a parts of you that really you know, there was still major parts of my heart that was not available, that was not ready to be available, that was terrified of having that level of intimacy with somebody. So next, we also have, you might struggle with your self-worth. You also have, for some people, they feel the need to fix people. And so they tend to attract people who need to be fixed, quote unquote. Another one that we might have is you might unconsciously seek out partners who validate our negative self-talk. And I thought this one was like super interesting because it definitely like hit a sore spot for me. This is basically saying like you, a lot of us, we have a lot of negative self-talk and sometimes we're not really conscious of it. And this can be things like people who have a fear of abandonment. For a long t- for a lot of people with a fear of abandonment, it's usually a long time before you're aware of your fear of abandonment. You know, this is like being quick to leave relationships, being quick to be like, I'm done, being quick to emotionally detach, things like that. You know, everything I have ever talked about myself on this podcast about. <laughs> but having that sort of thing, and you don't re- necessarily recognize it as a fear of abandonment because those things are maladaptive coping skills. Those are things you're all, you're doing to 
usually unconsciously to protect yourself from abandonment. But here's the thing. Sometimes when, again, going back to that, spending that time healing, spending that time really figuring out your triggers and really figuring out your sore spots, because sometimes those things unconsciously, we project those fears out into the world. And so this one is really talking about those negative feelings, those negative unconscious things, us being attracted to it because it's still heavily working in our unconscious. So that we might not sit there every day go, huh, I sure am scared that if I open up to love, someone will leave me. Like you might not be thinking that, but unconsciously, it's always kind of working in your background if you don't really heal that sore spot. And this one is saying that when you do that, for some people, you then seek out partners that validate that feeling. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I unconsciously feel like I am unworthy of love and I am scared to be abandoned and I don't allow myself to open up to love and feelings and those type of things because I'm scared I'll be abandoned because I'm scared that if I do that, I won't receive the love that I want back in return and that will you know, hurt. When you don't hear those things, this one is saying that we then unconsciously attract ourselves to people who prove that point to us over and over again so we can stay in that unhealedness. So if I have a fear that I will be abandoned, right? If I open up and uh, and love and love out there that that person will not love me the way I want and will eventually leave me and I have that unhealed wound, this one is saying that I unconsciously find myself attracted to people who have displayed that that's what they're going to do, that that's who they are. And unconsciously, those are the people we keep finding ourselves attracted to because if I keep finding myself attracted to this person that proves my theory right, then I can prove to myself I don't have to get out of this comfort zone because see, look, that's what Bobby did. He was doing that BS and I was right. So it ain't about growth. It's it's real. Every time I open myself up or think about opening myself up, you know, they go out here and do some bullshit. And it's like, I keep finding myself in those type of situations because it's self-prophesizing. It proves my point and it helps me build that belief up stronger and stronger in me. Because here's the thing, when we have unhealed pain, we have unhealed trauma, A lot of times when we don't heal that, we don't want to heal that, we want to validate those feelings. Mm -hmm. So it's a core belief. And I feel like a lot of us know people like this. A lot of us know people who have like this really crazy or like real negative type belief. And you're like, what? And they purposely go out. And what is that called? Um, Ah, confirmation bias. Yes. So it's like confirmation bias where confirmation bias is the tendency to only look for information or only agree or see information that already validates your beliefs. And this can be like, let's say a conspiracy theory. Okay. They have a really strong belief in Bigfoot and they will send you articles like see i told you book big fit is real look hulu just made a movie about it netflix got a documentary about it and you're gonna be like yeah but like look at this documentary that proves it's wrong and they just outright deny it and it's because they only want to look at things that confirm what they already believe well it's this point right here it's like that it's like you purposely like unconsciously seek out things that only confirm your own negative self-talk 
So you keep attracting and looking for people who validate this type of belief that you already have, because then it allows you to stay in your negativity allows you to not challenge yourself it allows you to not have to come out of that nest and stay rifled in fear instead of doing a thing which is taking a scary first step and be like okay I'm going to learn to be vulnerable I understand that vulnerability means that there might be some pain with that and I'm going to learn to process that pain so this one I thought was like super deep and I was like, yes, I've seen this in my practice. I've seen this in my own life. And I think it's one of those things that takes a lot of inner work to get to that point because we all have unconscious dealings that are running in our back of our mind that it we don't know. Like usually it's not until you have a certain experience that you even recognize like, oh, shoot, this is the unconscious thought that's been motivating me for X many years to, you know, not be vulnerable anymore, to, you know, not take risk when it comes to my career or when it comes to love or blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we agree with that one too. Yeah. And another one would be fear of being loved. You have a fear of connection. Yeah, I could agree with that one as well. Because like I was saying earlier, with having a part of you that's unavailable, I think that's the same type of fear that I mm-hmm. have with being loved. Like I want to be loved, but I know what comes with love. For for me, it's just past situations make that word scary for me. So I can understand that one as well. Yeah. And I think also with the fear of being loved is you the fear of being loved I think also like coincides with the fear of being disappointed yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times when people have a fear of being loved it's really a fear of being disappointed it's a fear of getting my hopes up that high Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely agree with that so okay let's talk about what we can do about it if you do attract individuals who are emotionally unavailable So the first thing that is recommended is that one, you simply learn yourself, sit and have a moment and think to yourself, okay, what is going on? Learn about your attachment style. Like we talked about, you can literally Google it, put attachment style tests and it will pop up and you can fill out a questionnaire in five minutes and they'll give you a pretty good generalized idea about what your attachment style is. And once you learn that, you can learn how to address your attachment style. There is only one attachment style that's the one that's healthy. It's secure. It's called the secure attachment style. People with secure attachment styles, they have healthy boundaries. They have healthy love. They have a healthy love language, all of that. And if you have one of the other ones, then you can literally Google go on Amazon, buy books upon books on how to move towards a healthy, secure attachment style. So yes, that's the first recommendation is to learn about yourself. What is it about me that attracts this? What about the things that we just listed a few minutes ago? Can you relate to? Or can the people that you keep dating relate to? And why is it that that's the particular thing you keep attracting? get to know your needs mm-hmm. I think this is a good one because like you just get into like relationships you like you think you know what, what your needs are but I don't think you really 
I don't think a lot of people really know. And then they like, oh, but I thought I needed that too. And you're like, well, that wasn't. I mean, you don't like you know you have those discussions like, what are some things you need in a relationship? But I don't really think people know them a lot. And I think this mm-hmm. is a good one because it's just like if you go in knowing what your needs are or what your partner's needs are, and if you and if either of you can accommodate those needs, I think it would help. How would it help being emotionally unavailable though? So this one is more about how this is helping you to stop attracting people who are emotionally unavailable. And so this will help you stop attracting people who are emotionally unavailable because when you know your needs, it's easy for you to recognize when your needs aren't being met. And if you can recognize when your needs aren't being met, you can then walk away and be like, okay, you're not meeting my needs. So I'm stopping this. You're able to then communicate to them. Like, these are what my needs are. This is what I need from you. Can you do this or not? And when they can't, then it's easier for you to walk away because a lot of times they're saying people who are attracted to emotionally unavailable people, they don't really know what their needs are. So all they know is that they feel like they don't know what's going on and they feel unsettled in this relationship because this person's always here or there. But if I know I need consistency, then when you're not giving me consistency, then I know this is not for me. But if I've never really sat with myself and recognized that, okay, consistency is what I need, then when that's not happening, I'm still kind of holding on for threads and breadcrumbs and stuff like that because I have not had that conversation with myself. I do not recognize that that is a need for me. One of the other things that they talk about is practice receiving love. And this goes back to those who don't really know how to receive love. So they're just so used to giving. And so they end up in these one-sided relationships with people. And then they realize like, hey, this person really doesn't give back anything to me. And I feel like this person's really emotionally detached. This one is saying you have to learn to receive love. So you know what it feels like to be loved. And you know what it feels like when you're not getting the level of love that you deserve. So ways you can do this, learn to take compliments, learn to stop yourself from downplaying compliments, downplaying yourself when someone tells you you did a good job, that you're awesome, that you're great. Start agreeing, start being like, you're right. Start accepting that instead of being like, well, no, and I messed up on this. And it's really like, no, learn to take compliments, learn to let others do things for you. Stop the super hyper independence. That is a trauma response. Learn to let others do for you. Let other people pay for things once in a while. Let other people handle some of the res- your responsibilities. If you're one of those people who handles everything, that does everything, that jumps in for everybody, let somebody jump in for you. Let somebody play superhero for you. Learn how to receive love, practice receiving love, practice allowing people to do things for you. So when you're with someone who does not do things for you, it feels off. It does not feel like you're ignoring. Yeah, you can recognize that, yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one is set standards and boundaries and abide by them. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> do set those standards or boundaries it's harder for you to to let someone continue to be emotionally unavailable to you or like this isn't what I want this isn't part of 
what I signed up for. And you, it's easier for you to walk away from those situations instead of giving them try after try. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with that. Next, they have evaluate and evaluate frequently. Ask yourself frequently in your relationships as you are dating. Okay. Am I receiving the love that I am giving in this situation, in this partnership? (laughs) And lastly is do your mantras. I feel like when I say mantras, people think it's like hippy-dippy and they're just like, that's not going to change anything. But there is so much power in your words, guys. Always be very careful with what you say. It's why if you listen to any episode this season, I'll say something stupid and then I go, I mean, that's how I used to be. That's not how I am anymore because I am healing. And I correct myself because I truly believe there's power in words. I believe you can trap yourself. You can keep yourself in a loop because you keep saying you're in a loop. And so with mantras, you can Google mantras and different ones will pop up or you can just literally create your own. All it is, is having a phrase or a sentence you say to yourself in the morning when you wake. It can be at night before you go to sleep. It can be while you're driving to work. It can be once a day. It can be multiple times a day, but it's a daily habit that you make to remind yourself and you're speaking it and you're releasing it into the universe. So an example of a mantra you could use could be, I am open to love and I let go of all fears surrounding being loved. And maybe that's just something you say as you brush your teeth or you do your makeup in the morning. And maybe it's something you say before you lay down at night. And it may feel silly and it may sound silly, but give it a month. Do it for at least a month. And I guarantee you're going to start feeling some type of shift and a change in the way that you interact with people, in the way that you bond with people, in the things that you allow and the things that you don't allow. Um, And again, pick a mantra that's related to your situation or what you are going through. But I am a huge believer there's a power in words and that what you say really can shape and form your life. And you can create a whole new world for yourself just by what you speak into your life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I need to find me a mantra. Yeah, (laughs) they're great. So that is all we have for today's episode. Hopefully you guys loved it and got something good out of it. As always, guys, we will have a new episode every Thursday. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's SheWolfAlchemy on Instagram. Give us a follow. Wherever you're listening, please go ahead and subscribe to us. If they have a review section, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review. It super helps the podcast. It helps us be found easier. It helps us with our rankings, all that sort of stuff. Other than that, guys, that's all we have for this week. And we will have a new episode for you guys next Thursday.